Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 131 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading Red Dragon by Thomas Harris from chapters 27 through chapter 34 before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. I don't think we have any housekeeping, do we? Nope. Cool. Um, then let's jump right into our first section, which is... Chapter 27. Cool. Summary. In this chapter, we get another look at Francis Dollarhide's trying childhood. His grandmother's declining health culminates in the shuttering of her boarding house and Francis going to live with his mother. During that time, Francis continues to be abused and misreads social situations, falsely interpreting himself as the victim. He's also begun slaughtering animals and developing a killing ritual with the full moon. The chapter ends with his step-siblings beating him and blaming their father's declining political standings on Francis's cleft palate. Pretty good summer. Thanks. Um, I don't have any notes. Oh, I've got some notes, and my first two are pretentious and Dickensian. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> uh, I like Marley was dead. To begin to with. To begin with. As dead as a doornail. Oh, he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. From whom no stone had ever struck generous fire. It's actually steel. I fucked it up. I fucked it up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This podcast is over. Hard and sharp as flint. That's how it is. Oh, so he's hard and sharp as flint, from which no stone had ever stood. So it's maybe stone? I don't remember. Get to your note. <laughs> I can go grab a Christmas card. I got the annotated version. We, no? No, if, 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 if we're still doing this podcast by Christmas, maybe we could do a audio reading. In per- Ooh, public domain. We, oh, that would be fun. Right? That could be fun. We do the voice. Like, 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 um, that Rich Little version of Christmas carol where he played every character but he played every character as one of his famous celebrity impressions oh weird so he did scrooge as wc fields as scrooge weird we could do that well do you want to do all the voices or do you want me to do any of the voices i know we play any of the i wouldn't i wouldn't i would not exclude you you could you could do some of the voices yeah you you know you do you'd be like you can play death (laughs) you mean the ghost of christmas yet to come ghost of christmas yet to come excuse me yeah you're pointing wrong stop time out (laughs) Weird tangent. Please get onto your pretentious and Dickensian note. So, okay. Marley was dead <laughs> to begin with. Okay. As grandma's health declined, uh, and she started cutting the food budget, she lost a lot of weight. And she put on her old dresses from the days of yore. And I kind of... Uh, I was I was amused by her wearing decades out of fashion dresses, Miss Havisham style. Cool. This is a fun detail. Second note. Um, in the last little bit of niceness in his life, Francis would take trips with uh, Queen Mother Bailey. Yeah. In the wagon out to the end of the road with her husband driving it. Her husband was uh, taciturn and laconic. And hardly said anything. And that was very reminiscent of me of David Copperfield writing with Peggotty and Mr. Barkus. Because Mr. Barkus would only say Barkus is willing, meaning <laughs> willing to, you know, uh, with, with Miss Peggotty. I wasn't done. Ew. But he would tell David, like, oh, tell her Barkus is willing. And she was, too. Gulp. With a capital plosive. <laughs> and a sousson of glottal stop was there any sentence more ominous than grandma was watching from the upstairs window well I mean probably when Francis Francis and the girls showed, them, showed each other their private parts she wasn't watching when they did that though she was watching after they ran around after wasn't that the information I understood uh, I, well then she sent them upstairs to wait uh, snippage castration She's like, you go away upstairs while I fetch my scissors. I thought so she must was, have seen something. I thought there was something else that happened. Wasn't that because he was covered in blood? No. I don't remember. I don't know. I Maybe I misunderstood that she was watching them. No, as I read it, 
they had their little playing doctor moment. Uh, Queen Mother Bailey was like, all right, you've seen it. Knock it off. Go play kid shit. And they're like, okay, but Grandma had been watching. So see, I'm. I guess I read it in the opposite order. Like they said, "Hey, stop it. Go do other stuff." And then a headless chicken enters the room, spilling blood all over the place. They chase it down, out of the room, out into the yard, and Grandma's watching from somewhere else, seeing them play in the yard. And then she gets. I thought she got mad because he was either covered in mud or covered in blood or was playing with a girl. Something. I didn't. I didn't see. I I thought. I thought it was directly. But maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Fine. Do you know what page? Not an ominous sentence. What? Do you know what page it's supposed to be? Nah. I can find it if you want. Francis jumped to his feet. His trousers well, on, still on, down on, as on, Queen Mother on, Bailey came around the corner after the chicken yeah. and saw them. Look here, boy, she said calmly. You want to see what's what? Well, now you see. So go on and find yourself something else to do. Occupy yourselves with children's things doing, and doings and keep your clothes on. You and that child help me catch that rooster. The child's embarrassment quickly passed as the rooster eluded them, but grandmother was watching from the upstairs window. So they hadn't left. They were all. Where were they? When they were showing this. Stuff? That's why I was wait, telling you to wait because I was going to go further. In, in the corner. Further, yeah. Okay. In the corner behind the, between the chicken house and a low hedge that shielded him from the lower windows. Ah, oh, gotcha. Of the house. Gotcha. He showed her lower windows. Okay, so she was watching. Okay. Apologies. Got my comprehension. Thank you. Apologies, Wiz. Thank yous. Isn't that weird? Apologies. Thank you. Both end with letters. I mean, they all made up of letters, but apology. Thank you. I feel like my safety depends on agreeing with you, so I will say yes. I was watching from the upstairs window. Snip, snip. Um, so it wasn't a great chapter, but it was not really worse than the preceding chapter. It's much more of an addendum or a coda. Back when I promised you, uh, that had been the set piece. Yeah. And then I wrote here, fuck you, grandma. He just wants to be your good boy. (laughs) Oh, it's when he was having his fantasy of what he would do if bad guys came into the house. Yeah, I really expected that to go the way of him killing her. Uh, while that was happening. Oh, and he's in the room hovering over her with a hatchet? Well, it's it's written so much like, oh, God, this, it, it feels, I don't, I don't know how to read this, this section because he, I simultaneously am like, if this goes the way I think it's going to go, I will be disappointed because, blah, but also, like, it not ending with him slipping and dropping a hatchet on her while she sleeps is also like, uh, uh, a rooster tease. <laughs> I see what you've done there. <laughs> and uh, and that felt like uh, just a whole a whole awkward mess of... Did you feel like reading. it was a wasted moment? I kind of did. Like, I, yeah. I felt like it would have played really well in a comedy film. Sure. Like, like it was it was almost like a um, an affront to Chekhov's gun. Right, right. Like, if you're going to use the serial killer's hatchet, make sure... It... Or if you're going to introduce it, yes, you, you, yeah. you need to be make able to sure do something with it. Chopping the grandma up by the third act. But it also, but in the same way, like maybe it's a, it's it's really being used to show his uh, latent tendency for violence and also his care for her. So it's just kind of a double-edged sword, if you will. Um, a, or a double-bladed axe. A two-headed axe, yeah, where um, like, like the sociopathic killer shouldn't care about others, but Francis Dollarhide does. And by shouldn't, I guess I mean like just doesn't like like just really doesn't but he does and that's confusing to me um do we know he's a sociopath specifically uh i guess not specifically but like the, the can you be a serial killer without being a sociopath i think it depends on how you stretch the term sure but like the traditional like as far as i understand it, it it's very it's so close like the the narcissism the like the the apathy towards others the uh sociopathy like th- that that stuff it like it really all mixes together in a nice serial killer goulash mm-hmm. and without those things 
it, I think my understanding is that it's, it's, it's oftentimes it's empathy and caring about other people that pulls you away from doing stuff like that to other people, because right. you can imagine that other people like a third person removed from you and the victim cares about the victim. Like you care about people you care about. So why hurt someone someone else cares about? Like you care about someone you care about. <laughs> Sorry sentence, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> Fuck you sentence diagrammers. Um, so, so I think that that's like the, the linchpin is that those people shouldn't have that, or at least in the way that you would ex- like expect them to. Like the, the, the way Francis Dolorheides described loving his grandmother is not in that way of where love gets mis or where like necessity gets misconstrued for love. Mm-hmm. Even his like, er, later on, we get this information that his, he ends up choosing to murder people people the way he does as an expression of love some sort of weird like like i don't know like mutation of that term and it but so so it's just an odd way to it's an odd thing to read sure um but i'm obviously i don't work at the fbi behavioral science division so what do i know very little yeah that's it for my chapter cool nope no notes for me let's move on to the next one Chapter 28. Summary. We get a brief glimpse into the present. Freddie Lowndes' funeral is about to take place, and Will wakes up hungover after he got drunk in his hotel the night Molly told him she was heading for Oregon. The rest of the chapter is more of a Francis backstory about his time in the army and his experience with the Great Red Dragon painting. We also experience Francis's joy in selecting his next victims, and his memory of similar joy... In killing the Jacobis and the Leedses. Hmm. Hmm? All of the names of the victims' families that he chooses all have these S's in them. A name he can't say. I wonder if these words, these names would be difficult to say for him. Although I think pro- the, 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 the... Sherman's the, is the next one. The grammatical correct pronunciation of plural Leeds would still just be Leeds. I think he says Leedses at one point in the book, but I... Oh. All right, all right, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. It's possible. It's, apparently, it's happened before. Um, my only note in this is another quote I liked, which was showing young Francis moving away from being someone we could sympathize with when he's uh, killing the chickens. I think it's I think it's the chickens. Maybe it's something. But anyways, it was the authorities never linked him with the sad little blood stains soaked into the dirt floor of garages. So maybe that was pets, neighborhood pets. Yeah, that was the neighborhood pets. Yeah, yeah. I just like the sad little bloodstains moment. Do you have any more notes in that chapter? No. Neither do I. So how about the we go to... Chapter 29. Summary. Dollarhide meets Reba McLean, a blind woman working at a subsidiary of his employer. She works in a special chemical darkroom and helps Francis secure the infrared film he'll need for killing the Shermans. That's that's what happens. Do you have a note? I have a overview note. Oh, well, my only note was hello, Reba. That's my note. Um, <laughs> my note was I was wondering when he was going to meet the blind girl. I hoped it wasn't just an invention of the TV show. Because <sighs> I was looking at the book, at, like, and I was thinking there's a whole lot of book left. Yeah. <laughs> and what's gonna happen? Where? How much of this book is them catching him? Right. And now I'm bothered because I feel like the rest of the book's going to be about their relationship. And I don't fucking care about that. You might. <sighs> Maybe. Just let it happen, man. Let the story take you over. I mean, I, I, I have to, I guess. But like, ugh. Be damn straight. Um, Do you have any more notes? Nope. Bring us around to the next. Chapter 30. Summary. Will attends Freddie Lounge's funeral and consoles Lounge's girlfriend, Wendy. That's what happens in that chapter. That's basically it. The only other thing that happens that is even worth summarizing is that Wendy has to kind of put on a show at the funeral so that the Tadler can take photos of her putting on a show so they can sell more issues about Freddie dying. She talks to Will afterwards and explains that, hey, I also got paid a lot of money to give them an interview and they asked me to say horrible things about you, but I didn't. If they print it, I didn't say it, just so you know. 
Was she hitting on him when she invited him for a drink or just being friendly? I would, I really, really, really hope that it was the latter, but I feel like the inclusion of the information about how Will was horny after the funeral or something like that. There's something some sort of not a, like, information about like the, how funerals yeah. make people horny as spit in the eye of death or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that inclusion of that information was sort of, Oh, I see. It was sort of juxtaposed in a way that made me feel like that we were supposed to read into that, that Wendy were... was also doing that. And yes. That was what her motivation. Yes, exactly. Guys like, okay. Okay. Well, besides that, possibly charged part of the conversation the rest of the conversation reminds me of a future conversation that we might read one day remind me uh if we get there hope that's vague enough that you'll have no idea what i'm talking about i'll probably forget you're talking about silence of the lambs Uh, could be who knows but also yes (laughs) (laughs) no doug i'm talking about the silence of the subtext Uh, I don't have any more notes. Do you have any more notes? No notes. Bring us to... Chapter 31. Summary. In this chapter, Francis's relationship with Reba McLean grows. He visits her home, and they experience each other outside of work for the first time. No notes. I have a sort of note. A sort of note? Yeah, because it's a note I'm not entirely sure I want to include. Uh-oh. So I'm just going to try to go for it and see where it leads, but it may just fucking crash and burn. Okay. Note on page 301, there's a quote from the from the book. It says, Dandridge's limp sympathy felt like spit on her cheek. And it's the moment where uh, Reba, it's this whole, it's the complicated emotion of Reba wanting something to happen, but wanting wanting Dollar Eyed to offer to give her a ride home, so that he would offer to give her a ride home, and then she could accept his invitation. But this other guy, who had apparently already committed to giving her a ride home, interrupts that option or that opportunity by basically asking Dollar Hyde to give Reba a ride home, thereby removing the romance and the spontaneity and the choice from either of the two people involved in this interaction. And instead, there'd be no way for her to know if Dollar High did it organically yes, or not. Yes, exactly. And so out of spite, she's just like, fuck all of this. Instead, I'll just ride the bus home by myself, even though I want to go with this guy. But I'm like, but this... I don't want his pity ride. Right. Uh, well, and I don't want, like, I don't want to give the other guy the satisfaction of basically having any control over me. Yeah. And um and that line of his his limp sympathy felt like spit on her cheek was like I've I've had those experiences before not in this exact way but I think that I think the thing that really struck me about it was it because because Reba's blind mm-hmm. that like it it sort of like was an easy trigger for me for these like personal experiences I've had where it's it's sort of like if this is the this is the thing reason why I don't know if it's the thing to include in the show, uh, it's hard because it's hard to talk about because it's like, uh, you know, at a certain point you you when you're growing up in the in the nineties everyone everybody gets labeled dyslexic, mm-hmm. but like, there's never really any sort of uh, there's no not really any any like way to help that in any way that means anything. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or even like any clear definition of what it is. It's kind of like fibromyalgia where it's like, it's a collection of different things that are all populating. We're all, no- we're noticing them in conjunction a lot. It sure seems like that's a thing, but sure. we can't really point to any other, any, any cause or any like reason behind these occurrences. We're just sort of noticing it. And so there's not really that much help. There's also not really that much of like a for for me at least of, of what I could ever establish as like a concrete diagnosis. Sure. Um but when I was in college, I was able to get uh, a couple internships over the summer based on being like having a learning disability. And so like like that was some sort of like you know, a worker inclusion program thing where like, you know, you, you only get the opportunity because essentially because you're pitiable and so like 
that always bummed me out, but I also wasn't too proud to not take the job. I really should never have taken the jobs. Like, I shouldn't have done it because they did not help me in my fucking career, which is what in college internships should be doing. These were literally right. just ways for me to make a little money and in a very cynical way, like, I think I was set up to take them to help out a family member who needed me to do something else for them that in gotcha. that would have that I would have otherwise not probably have done if I wasn't already needing to go across the country mm-hmm. to get to my job. So um when I was at this job though, they you know they they don't because because you're a person with a learning disability or a disability of any kind, because it's not just for learning disabilities they uh, do this thing where they just don't really expect much of you at all mm-hmm. because they're expecting someone who's like fucking unable to do anything and who like just being in the building is like, it qualifies as like, un- you're, you're doing the job. Congratulations. So I didn't really like the, the person I was working with didn't have the interest or the real like ability to give me like tasks that Mm -hmm. meant that would have done anything for me they were just like it was just fucking busy work like just just fucking stay here man just stay here and keep not getting fired i don't know how else to describe it it was just like it was massively it it was massively boring and and very and they just did not give me it was dismissive of you too it it was it was it was also that and it but it was also very dismissive of the type of work i was doing where it was like oh really these jobs like, you guys don't have enough work to give me work to do. Like, I'm not needed here. This is literally because you guys are... This is a pat on your back to be throwing me this bone of this job, which you're also not giving me the, like you said, the, like, the decency to, like, actually give me something to do. And this was, like, before... And, and, and this time, I couldn't really use the internet to, like, teach myself how to do di- different things. Like, not the same sure. way you can now. Right, right, right. So I didn't really have, like, the outlets... To, and also certain, you know, certain employers will stop you from, will prohibit you from visiting certain websites at work. Basically anything they have, they haven't are deliberately decided is an okay website just gets cut off. Right. So if you wanted to go try to find like tutorials or walkthroughs or something, if they're on obscure websites, you're not going to get there because the company doesn't want you to. So anyway, there came a day when... A whole bunch of people at this organization that were in the same program I was in that got their jobs because of disabilities were all requested is the polite way of putting it. They were all requested to appear in front of the the big boss of this organization for a photo op ceremony where the big boss wanted photos of him giving us all certificates like about how great we did and so brave and and how and exactly about how what a great job we were doing and i told my manager my 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 manager i was like i'm not doing that like i told him i was like i don't need that and she was like you have to go because they like she was like you just have to do that's part of it's just it has to happen and i was like i don't think you understand like what i'm telling you is like this is humiliating. Like this thing you're asking me to do doesn't fill me with pride. It doesn't fill me with joy. It like all, all the rest of this stuff, I could quietly like just get paid to do nothing, but like, except be the, you know, in, intellectually disabled, uh, fucking like feather in your goddamn cap. Right. Like, right. I, I can the token. Right. I can, I can like accept that because, I don't have any other guidance or direction in life at the time, but, uh, but asking to asking to parade me out so that someone else can revel in their generosity for my plight and give me an attaboy for doing nothing. It's I like, I'm not that intellectually disabled, right? <laughs> I'm not so far gone that I, uh, I can't feel shame. So, uh, and this is very embarrassing and shameful for me. And they, I, I didn't really feel like I had much of a choice in the end of the day and they made me go out and do it. And I did it as quickly as possible and just walked the fuck out. And I think I threw away the thing, the certificate, because it literally, it just, it meant nothing. 
like and that was the part that was so painful and so i i still have this really sensitive like button when i see shit like that when i see people touting out these token people whose only purpose is to benefit the person who's who's parading them out or like when people are like like if someone if someone held a press conference to say we've installed uh handicap ramps here didn't we do a great job ribbon cutting we did so well at at at, at a at a what's the word um at like making accessibility happen here we are heroes it's like no fuck you like <laughs> this is just the bare minimum to for these people who need this to move around to fucking move around yeah, like you'll get an award for that you don't, you no no at all you should feel good about it you, you can you can totally feel good about it but don't don't expect but how dare you basically expect for anyone to feel like you've accomplished something by this like now to be fair there's also something to be said for like literally just making people aware that this thing is there now so if someone if someone said oh man I, i'm not going to the courthouse i can't go to the courthouse ever because i'm in a wheelchair and they don't have a access ramp oh sure sure like, sure, so sure. Like, if you're the johnny appleseed of wheelchair ramps right and you're, you and, get a, you can you can get a reward for that. Well, but I don't no no I mean like there, there's no I'm talking not remove the award from this concept now. I'm just saying oh, okay. like if the point of the press conference or the point of the announcement of these ramps are here is literally like just for the record we are now compliant with accessibility standards. I see what you're saying. Like that's good. Like make sure people know this thing's available. But the fucking like we've we've changed the world. <laughs> like and and aren't we amazing by helping out these these poor people and it's just like there's that's the that's the part that is the limp sympathy feeling like spit on mm-hmm. her cheek that is like yes fuck that like fuck that feeling and fuck those people who feel like they deserve like recognition for being heroes to people who are having a having who were handed a harder card to play or a harder hand to play right that metaphor should have said who were dealt a harder hand to play <laughs> but we're keeping it all it's all but gold. my disability wouldn't let me <laughs> say it again you're so brave <laughs> um so anyway that's what this reminded me of and it, it like it pops up every once in a while like like i, I must have told you about this um, there's a fucking famous Nike Super Bowl ad campaign that made me so mad. It was the same fucking thing. It was like this weird mix of like, we need to celebrate dis- uh, the Paralympians, like people who are like Olympians who have physical disabilities or, or whatever the situation may be. But it was like this, the thing that gets on my nerve about it is it wasn't a fucking PSA. It was a fucking Nike ad. It was an ad for tennis shoes, an ad for basketball shorts, an ad for all that shit that belongs to that company. Like they, if the company gave so much a shit about it, take your fucking name off of it. Give me the inspirational commercial, make it a fucking PSA, pay to put it out there and leave your fucking name off of it. But they can't because that's not really the point of the commercial the commercial isn't a supposed to be an inspiring story for the sake of inspirations it's not it's manipulating people's emotions through an inspirational story so that they'll associate the nike brand with pride and generosity and overcoming adversity it's all these intangibles that the brand wants to be associated with their product Mm -hmm. and so like but but again they what people want to talk about afterwards is like, can you believe how brave they are for putting Colin Kaepernick in a commercial? And it's like, no, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like Colin Kaepernick's like ability to earn, make a living. Isn't the, the only concern or the major concern for the like kneeling fucking situation. Like that had not his ability to make an income had nothing to do with his choice to kneel. That's not my, that's not the best way to put it, but because it definitely had to have gone to the, his consideration to take the risk to do it. But my point is like the symbolism he was trying to invoke through that act wasn't about his paycheck. It was about right, the large, ad yeah, yeah, nuts. exactly, exactly. So, um, it's, it, it's this, it's definitely a pet peeve of mine that like, 
uh, I'm very cynical about because of my own personal experience, but also being able to feel like I can see through this veneer of bullshit that like lots of companies try and lots of companies do other stuff. Like, are, like basically if you see fucking ads where the product itself is not actually advertised, mm-hmm. but a feeling is <laughs> be exceptionally wary of that manipulation. If, if you're, if the ad is something like just for the off the top of my head, um, if it's something like, Hey, we're a, we're a car company and America's pretty torn apart right now. So let's meet in the middle, the middle of the country. That's this place, this specific little town. We did the math. It's right in the middle here. Things are simple. Neighbors get along. And the sunset sets in the same place every day. You know how you get there? The new Hyundai Sonata. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's fucking that. And it, it'll be, it, it's like, and, but except they won't say Hyundai Sonata. They'll just sure, be like, sure. they'll just be like, you know, we think the future can be simple too and hope to bring us all together one day. And then they'll be like, Chrysler. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, if you're buying into that manipulation to feel like, oh my God, I love how I feel when I watch this commercial, then like, maybe you just have a a deep appreciation for advertisement and the craft, but like, and, and good on you, like fine, but they didn't make that ad for those people. They made that ad for the people who wouldn't fucking think twice about it. They made that ad for people who, who say, I don't listen to the lyrics of rap music. I just like the beats. They they made it for like they made it for the people who were turned off. They, right. they and and or who are to give those turned off people credit. <laughs> the people who don't who who are probably struggling enough to not ha- be able to have the luxury to pay a fuck attention to that shit. So <laughs> anyway, that's all of those emotions from this like one tiny little prick of a sentence like spilled forth out of me. I'm just like, it's, I mean, clearly it's a, to continue this, this Lansing metaphor, it's a, it's very much a like pronounced emotional boil for me that is easily burst. Uh, and this one, this one did it. I actually enjoyed all of that. I think it's good rant. Thanks. But I didn't let you finish, so I'm sorry. No, I was just, I was done. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so do you, you have any more notes in that chapter? I do. Let us move on to... Chapter 32. Summary. Crawford and Graham go over their clues to the Tooth Fairy's whereabouts. Jack believes he's within six driving hours from Chicago at max. Will wants to interview the Jacoby's friends to better learn why... They would be anyone's target. He's still trying to find that that connective tissue between the murders. Well, we know it's there. Oh, we do. We know what it is. It feels like they're close. Say. It feels like they're close because there's parts where Jack is saying things like, "We got to have uh, patrols in the in the affluent neighborhoods or the middle class neighborhoods mm-hmm. because these people were clearly middle class." But not getting around to the idea of that, okay, middle-class people can afford to develop home movies. They, they, yeah, they have toys. Yeah. Um, I, I think, that, well, I feel, I feel like we're near that aha moment. Uh, do you have any notes in this chapter? Uh, just the ass-out-of-you-and-me conversation, where Will reminds Jack that in his uh, academy days, Jack was giving a lecture, and someone used the word assume, and Jack took him to task and made him write it out and circled the ass and the you and the me and said, when you make an assumption or when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, uh, that also may come back one day. Oh, really? Cool. I've heard that many times in my life. I wonder where it originates. I think it originated from here. Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I, but I, I also feel that even though it's a character trait of Jack's, I feel like, Thomas Harris isn't a big fan of it. I think he, he's using it as a way to say this is kind of a stodgy, lame-ass thing that Jack does. Yeah, fair enough. 
It's also noteworthy that Jack basically says he doesn't remember that. And then when Will brings it up and it explicitly lays it out for him, Jack goes, that guy needed a kick in the ass. Like he fucking remembers. <laughs> yeah. I have a note in this chapter. Oh, I don't really know. It, I don't really know where it is, but cause I didn't take a page. note, I just took the note. Um, but the note is that this is at least the third time Harris has made reference to the idea that many drunk people get shot by their partners after coming home late while the community is afraid a killer is on the loose. Uh, I mentioned it, I think, in our first episode uh, for, for this so. book. I, I definitely remember it coming up a couple times. Well, it, it came up in the in the show only once, but this is the third time in the book. And I remember the when I brought it up earlier in the in an earlier episode, I mentioned that it was I thought it was insightful because of the way that like especially if you're dealing with like a I, I don't know if I made this metaphor in the show, but the idea is like if the sheep know that there's a wolf about, they don't behave calmly. They right. freak the fuck out. Yeah. And so if you take that idea and you, you put it into people, if people know there's a killer on the loose, they'll be on higher alert. And when people are on higher alert, oftentimes, especially because most people aren't trained to deal with this kind of emotions and stimulus and fucking guns, you end up with people who hurt each other out of reaction as opposed to like training. So, mm. I mentioned that I thought that was really reasonable uh, and, and interesting. Like, I don't think I was super elegant about it or eloquent about it. Um, so apologies or later listeners who heard that and probably like, what the fuck's this guy rambling about? Cause that was embarrassed when I would listen to it. But here I feel like it's started to also wear on me. Cause it's like, dude, it's the third fucking time you've said there's going to be fucking, it's going to be goddamn Kuwait out there when the drunks come home. And it's like, okay, dude, like, I get it. This is a thing you believe happens. Well, maybe, maybe it's more character building. And he's just saying, uh, Jack repeats himself a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't tell if the face you're making is the face of someone who's trying to get away with a bluff or like, actually, this is a thing. Cause who fucking knows? Thomas Harris is, isn't a bad Oh, I see writer. what you're saying. I would say, no, it's definitely, it's the bluff. Oh, okay, cool. Cause I'm so good at bluffing. That was not that a good bluff because of my face. Because oh. then you told me it was a bluff. Shit. So I should play poker with you is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how to poker. Listen, let's just make this. I'm not going to let that take my attention <laughs> the thing you just did <laughs> I don't know exactly what I not... there's another bluff face <laughs> okay <laughs> let's just let us move on do you have any more notes in this chapter I don't what's the next one chapter 33 summary Dolerhide proceeds with his nightly ritual of exercising sexual release and a TV news nightcap his thoughts are of Reba and what he'd like to do to her. No notes. Um, I I guess I don't have any notes, but in retrospect, in, in reading this chapter, it is interesting for him to, for Dolorhide to have these feelings about, of like restraint. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting, I, I kind of like that. Didn't, like, did he say she must live? Yeah. He basically said a lot of things about like, how he's he's definitely like intrigued by her in a way that is different than his other victims but he's also aware that like he's too close to her for in right. in, in every way that kill that doing what he wants to do to her would make Nikita's him his becoming maybe yeah probably um but at the same time like he's also he makes a mention of how he wants to he still wants to show her what he's become or what he... Wh sure. He, well, he wants to connect with her. I mean, it's the only vocabulary he has is the becoming thing. Um, this thing that I'm sure he's thought has never, ever been possible was just off the table entirely. He's going, oh, shit. Could that actually be on the table? And that's probably terrifying to him. I think so. And I think it's it's that's the thing that I find the most interesting about this character right now is that, like, the idea of, like, oh, is this a story about, like, there's a serial killer could like could beauty tame the beast could he be subdued by right. love it's, it's it's kind of fascinating not not necessarily any kind of forgivable way no but it's like all he's families. ever known has led to this 
red dragon becoming and now he's got a possible like like that that that's kind of like 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 the what if moment of the book like what if the killer was presented with a completely alternate possible way to live what would he do yeah like what like is it possible for a killer that's this uh demented or dangerous to be cured by affection can a leopard change his spots right so that's interesting, and if that's where the book goes for a little while, that's interesting. But I, it's I also know he's not going to make it. Like I know, like he might. You don't know. You've never read the book. No, could be a completely different ending. Sure, sure, of course, could be a different ending. Could be, could be Doctor Hannibal Lecter, love therapist. <laughs> Welcome to Heartline. <laughs> Call it go ahead. All right. Oh, first time, long time. <laughs> I enjoyed that, but I had nowhere else to go. Um, <laughs> call, call her. Who's your ideal woman? Or she? She's a great big fat person. <laughs> she's a big girl. Yes, sir. Roomy. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was great. That was great. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. I have no idea if it works, but I'm glad. Well, you I think liked it works. It. I don't know if it's. We may be canceled, but it was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, is that it? That's it. Okay. Then uh, advance us to the next chapter. 34. Summary. I don't know what the fuck happened in this chapter. It was literally two pages of Jack Crawford being anxious. That's it. I think they'd like to check in uh, with what's going on, since there's there's so much more uh, dollar hide world building now. It felt like a page and a half of overhearing... Jack Crawford on the phone going, what? I need this. No, bring me that. Oh, God, we only have a couple more hours left to do this. And then the chapter's over. I mean, calling it a chapter is is generous. Yeah. Uh, I will say I have no notes but for one incidental that sent me on a deep dive that was ultimately unsatisfying. So do you have any notes before I get to that? No, I have no notes. Let me read a selection from this chapter. <clears throat> On at least my first page, third paragraph. Covering their ass is what they're doing, Crawford said, waving his bag of tater tots. <laughs> so, that I'm like, tater tots is capitalized. It's a brand name by Oraida. Uh, they were invented in like the 40s, I think. Originally so cheap, people never bought them because they were like, what the hell is this? I don't know. So they had to raise the prices before they started selling. I've read about that. I wanted to find out, because I think they're still in Chicago, right? Yeah. What restaurants in Chicago would sell brand name Tater Tots, uh, capital T's, in 1980? I mean, is it a thing? Is it like is, is it a fast food thing? Do you have a packet of Tater Tots, a little like sachet of Tater Tots, or sachet or whatever you say? Did, would, did he go to the supermarket and buy a bag of frozen ones? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Damn. Nothing. I, I'm telling you. Wow. I, my, I looked... Wikipedia had nothing. The history of the tater tot had nothing. Chicago restaurants and that sold tater tots was a non-starter. I don't know, man. Wow, that's deeply disappointing for all the work you put into it. I know. I know. We are totless. At least I now know that tater tots are a brand name, not just, like they're the Xerox of the Kleenex. Yeah, of yeah. Pressed potato particle particulate. Yeah. Pressed part. <laughs> Press potato particulate. Yeah. Potato board. Well, do you have any more notes? Well, just that um, one chef, when presented with the idea of making his own tater tots, said, fuck that. <laughs> uh, and that they're Why? really... They're really not cost effective to make yourself because you need all that extruding material to like chop it up and mix it with flour and things and then push it through the extruder into those little to have them pooped out so they could be deep fried. Wow. Um, if you can't do that, just buy them. If chefs agree. If you buy the tear cuts, maybe, maybe deep fry them for that crispy goodness. Don't just throw them in the oven and have them come out all like limp and cool in the middle and they're greasy. And ugh. I mean, you got to fucking make your tater tots, but you don't make your tater tots. You know, you prepare them correctly. That's what I'm saying. Or uh, yeah. might I be so bold as to suggest baking a potato? What? You take, hear me out. 
You take a potato. You wash it. Yeah. You put some salt and some oil on it. And you just put it in an oven okay. for a while. Yeah. And you take it out. And you eat it. The fuck? No. What? What? the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, like... That's like saying, I want an amazing uh, double bacon cheeseburger. And you go, okay, or hear me out. Here's some corned beef. First off, corned beef's awesome. Secondly... I'm not saying it's not awesome, but when you want A, you don't go for T. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... There's textural, crispy... Uh, crevasses in a tater tot. It crunches. It's soft. It's supple. And baked potato's not going to do that. What are you talking about? Well, what, what? I'm, what I'm talking about is if your goal is to bypass the the processed foods, yeah. if your goal is to get around all that stuff, which is you're attesting, tater tots are like the 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 pinnacle of processed food because they they can't just be potatoes. So right. if you just want like hot potato. To eat, like, bacon. Yeah, but I don't just want hot potato to eat. I want a fucking tater tot. Mm. And it's not worth it to make my own, so I will buy it. That was the only thing I ever said. Mm. Bake a potato. You're out of line. Uh, bake a You're potato. You are out of line. This is inappropriate. This podcast You take is a potato. Over. This podcast is over. You wash it. No. Put a little salt, a little Put oil salt. on it. A little bit. Maybe rub it down. Put in the oven. You didn't even. You didn't. You didn't even prick it with a fork. You didn't stab it so it doesn't explode. I don't know how to poker. Because <laughs> that's what you said earlier. Remember? Yeah, no, I remember. I got it. Is it? Yeah, no, I, I. Yeah, I remember. You know what they call that? They call it a callback. <laughs> So, if you want to bypass the the manufactured food and the in the frying, yeah. just bake a potato and you're done. It takes an hour to bake a potato. It takes like twenty minutes to cook tater tots, and like five if you're deep frying. Yeah, but like again, it, 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 listen. If you want to eat all that fat and grease, yes, that's yes, that's what I'm saying, Rob. We're agreeing. That with your acceptable food standards, you were willing to eat the tater tots, yes. not in, like arguably belligerently insistent on eating the tater tots. <laughs> and I'm just saying, listen, if you want hot potato, potato is the kind of food that already presents itself like wholly edible. <laughs> like never, never anywhere did I say, boy, what I want is hot potato. So I, I don't understand why you're bringing it up. I'm just saying it's a it's a it's a nice, simple alternative. It's not. I think it is. Well, I think you're wrong. Hot potato, more like not potato. Well, I don't think I don't think that was called for, but I guess. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, okay. Well, whatever. Like, your is. your hot potato is like limp spittle on my cheek. Limp empathy. Was that it? Or was it sympathy? I said what I said. <laughs> well, this podcast has gone on too long. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, I do have a new word alert. Yes, I am. All right, I'm going to start that over. Here you go. Prognathus. Hmm. Interesting. Prognathus. Yeah. However, I didn't actually read the definition. Oh. And I still haven't. Nice. I just hit that button, so without looking, I'll try to guess. All right. So the word we're guessing again is... Prognathus. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. I guess the the listener is not going to realize that that second prognathus was my 
speaker speaking it. Yeah, we should probably clarify that. Rob apparently also had the word, the same word that he lo- needed to look up, but he didn't actually look it up. He just knew that he needed to. I don't I, know what's wrong with him. I prepared it. I just, sure. I got it ready. Don't look at your phone. I am. It's off. Fine. My point is, I got it ready. I'm using the phone as a prop so everyone can see that I'm gesturing to my phone. I got it ready. <laughs> So I could use it for my new word alert, not figuring that you would have done the same thing. What do you so. think, Rob, that Cognitus. means? Well, if I remember the dialogue correctly, or the, 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 the narrative, it was in chapter 33, because that's where I wrote it down. They talked about a... F- uh, a fat man or a fat prognathist? Prothog- pr- prog- pro- how do you say it again? Prognathus. Prognathus. The prog makes me think of prognosticator. So is it like, like a soothsayer, like someone seeing the future? No. Damn. Uh, it's an adjective. First off, uh, being or having a jaw and typically a lower jaw that projects forward, especially to an unusual degree. She like a very severe underbite. Yeah, or at huh. least having like a, like I imagine you could like like a like a Jay Leno style chin might might. Yeah, the cat with a big underbite. Yeah, maybe. Um, the, uh, I think the idea is is it's sort of like a it's I think it's supposed to suggest a lack of intelligence. Like a, one of so those. I thought that was like the like a Cro Magnon forehead, but the jaw version. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. Like like a Dick Tracy, like Lockjaw. The uh, is that the like name of the one jaw. the one from James Bond? No, that's Jaws. Jaws. You said, my bad. You said Lockjaw. I thought of the guy from He Man, but I can't remember if that was his name or not. Lockjaw's the name of the Inhumans' dog. A lot of lot of, lot of things are named Lockjaw. Not Lockheed. It's the name of Kitty Pride's dragon. It is the name of Kitty. We all know the name of Kitty Pride's dragon. We're all well versed in Kitty Pride. Not Lockstep, which you're not in with me. I don't even know what that is. That is that the the Irish dancing. Yes. Yeah. It's not. And oh, I just couldn't know and you because I don't know how to do that. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Did you have any new other words? Because I don't have any other words. Um, tater tot. Oh. <laughs> uh, apparently, just as tasty as a baked potato. Fuck you. No you thanks. Go fuck yourself. You piece no of thanks. Shit. A pass. Um, all right. Well, you know what else? You know what else are good though? Mm. Tater crowns. What's that? Uh, they're the coin size. Well, coin shaped. They're like, they're like tater tots, but they're shorter. Okay. So you have more surface area crunchiness. More surface area crunchiness. Yeah, they're delectable. Great in breakfast burritos. What? Where do you get those? Yeah, next to the tater tots in the supermarket. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that tater tots don't have their place. Yeah, I wouldn't want tater <laughs> crowns on the side of my sandwich or on the side of my, my hamburger. You want something with a little bit more uh, meat to it, figuratively speaking. Meat, Pick meat. up with your with your hand and just really swirl it around in the ketchup and eat it. And that's a that's a fucking experience. That's... Um, but tater crowns are good as an addition to things. I'm just saying there's a there's a whole range of tater products. Does... Really? How many more <laughs> could you possibly name? Oh, you got your. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. All right. Well, hash browns kind of the 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 pre-made hash browns are kind of like that. I wish I had Oscar's music to play you off. Um, next time we're going to be reading chapters 35 through 41. Do you want me to tell you what chapter not to read? Um, only if you feel like being an ass. (laughs) I might. Um, only because I messaged you furiously earlier this afternoon, like, we stop at 40, or 34, right? Yeah. Stop we're at 35, 34. through 34. That's what you asked. And I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, fucking yeah, like we discussed. And you wrote down, and I watched you write it down. 
Yeah, but I didn't say it like I okay, all the tone and the the word choice you used, that's not what I said with my mouth, but I did say it with my eyes. Like limp cheek on my empathy spittle. Weird how you keep messing that up. Um anyway, let's put this podcast down like a old dog and say goodbye. (laughs) That was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. Grave tending. So, question for you. Before we get started. Did I leave in that conversation about where do you get all this rape? No. From the last, to the last episode? Yeah, last episode we were talking about the slideshow. Yeah, I don't think so. Hmm. Why? I was gonna, I was kind of uh, housekeeping that, but I couldn't remember if I left it in or not because it seemed like it was out of place. That's why I cut mostly why I cut it, not from the content, um, but just felt weird. But then I looked it up, and it seems like you were right. But then again, again, if we cut it out, I can't correct it. Well, it sounds like you gotta put it back in. If I was right about something, that's not happening. Gotta, gotta put it back right back in there because I'm the right one. No, because it was out of place. That's why it was cut. What does that mean? Out of place? Out of place for who? For you? It, it was. It was a weird side tangent that didn't really add anything. Except that I'm right. Yeah. So yeah. when you say it didn't add anything, what you mean is that you made a mistake and instead of like just allowing me the opportunity to just be right now you've made it mm-hmm. a thing about how i can't be right because that would shine light on the mistake you made trying to cover up what you thought was a mistake which is in fact your mistake because i was right no you're mistaken i don't think so <laughs> oh don't you uh, okay, so we should recap that right now so that when the end of episode 131 airs and you have all yeah. your, like, you know, sound effects for the, the postscripts, this is in there, and then people will hear how what I was right about. You want me to explain it? I can explain it. I remember it like the day I was born. <laughs> explain it, please. So when uh, Francis Dolaride has... Um, Freddie Lounge. Freddie, you know, I was, yeah, Freddie I'm Lounge. Just helping you. Oh, I'm a you are now, mm, Yeah, your help got us here. Has Freddie Lounge in the wheelchair, lacquered in, and he's showing him the slideshows of uh, the Jacobis and the Leedses, uh, and he's showing like before and after photos, and then there's a photo of uh, Freddie that's sort of like. The before implies photo. Freddy's next. Right, implies Freddy's next. I made the comment that it was like a suggestion to Freddy that he was also going to get sexually assaulted, raped, whatever the. Oh no, was. I didn't think that's what you meant. No, that's not what I meant. Oh, no. What did you think I meant? That there had been no sexual assault of the leads of the Jacobis. No, there had been. And th- well, that's what I was saying. I'm like, I don't know where you're getting that. I think he just killed them and then did things afterwards. Oh, no. They make that whole point about, like, how they have to watch. That's what I was wrong about. Yeah, you were. Because I actually looked it up, and most people agreed with you, and the people who agreed with me were getting their in- their memories more from the television show where Brian Fuller went the extra mile to take sexual assault out of the show because he's like, it's already horrible enough. We don't need to add that. Yeah, I, I agree with him. It is horrible enough. Well, especially the way he did it. it 
Right. The way. Yes. Yes. But I'm saying it, that's that was never a focus in the show. Any of the murders and attacks and anything there was rarely a sexual element involved or at least portrayed. The only reason it sticks out to me really is because of they, they keep mentioning. In the first like couple chapters, they just mentioned so much about. Uh, about the staging of everyone. Well, see, I'm not saying there was no well, like perverse my, sexual gratification for him, but I assumed it was all post-mortem. N- well, it, it is for most of the viewers, but um, but the point, that, the thing that always stuck with me is that, like, he he isn't setting them up to not watch something. You know what I mean? Like, I just assumed, yeah, no, I just assumed it was, like, watch him do his becoming or whatever, but I get it. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well... I guess it's not really that big of a deal that you cut it, but uh, I mean, we can we can, I can put this in at the end if you like. Didn't I already say that that's what should happen? Are you trying to inception this like you're giving me an olive branch, even though well, I, you just said it didn't matter, so now I don't understand what did. And you want it at the end of one thirty one, right? That's this episode, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. If that's if that's what you want, I don't want to do anything you don't want. It's weird that that was a thing you you. I think it's just interesting that that's a thing that you thought didn't happen or that you had a confusion about. Because, I mean, you know, it's if I'm trying to think back on it, it's not really that weird. Maybe the weird part is that it was sort of a sticking point for you, like because I can I can appreciate the the rationale behind it was post post mortem or not, but also for me it's like kind of a toss up. Like who really cares? But like, I don't consider it assault if it's postmortem. It's it's icky and gross, but okay. I don't really want to plumb the depths of that rationale. Like a yes ending, co-host would say, yeah, "Really, Rob? What makes like what makes the uh, sexual penetration and violation of a corpse not rape?" I don't. I don't really hear, rephrase. That was rhetorical. <laughs> I don't really want you to answer that because I don't feel like the answer is what this podcast needs. So just cut that all up. And- oh, no, no. I think that's gold. I think the answer would be arsenic. <laughs> uh, well, there is such a thing as heavy metal poisoning. Yeah. I can poison people with gold. Uh, okay. <laughs> think, people think of gold, they, the first thing they think of isn't poison. When people think arsenic of... make some lovely, lovely shades of green. When in people many, think of arsenic, uh, number... 1920s uh, tinned food product labels. When people think of arsenic, they either think of old lace or poison. <laughs> Well, actually, the arsenic in arsenic and old lace was, in fact, poison. Really? Maybe that was because it's fucking poison. The first thing someone would think of when they think of arsenic. So anyway, weird. But we shouldn't delve deeper. No. Okay, cool. I want to delve less deep, in fact. Which is why I don't know this needs to be included. Because uh, it's funny, Rob. <laughs> and despite your best efforts, we're supposed to be sort of a humorist podcast. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch in my heart. I only, I only say that because you're actively lobbying against including a gem. I thought it was gold. Make up your mind. <laughs> Fair enough. What do you call housekeeping that happens at the end of something? Uh, Grave tending? Grave tending! Grave tending. Beautiful. Okay, well, that was our grave tending. Oh, now we have to make a sound effect that's like a a wolf howling and like leaves rustling and wind blowing like a Halloween sound. Please get onto your pretentious and Dickensian note. So, okay. Marley was dead <laughs> to begin with.
I'll get to it. <laughs> nope, no notes. Okay, so I do have a note here. <laughs> That's a funny little bit of audio. Sorry. I'll start. <laughs> just me just me going, nope, no notes. And then you know, I seconds it. later, yeah, I know. Just I'm saying it out loud for the listener who didn't know. And now this part will have to be the section that follows that section at the end of the show. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Fucking, how many of these do we have to have stacked on each other like Russian dolls? Of course, Rob. <laughs> Fucking A. Uh Well, anyway, that's over now, so I just re- get into it. Let me read a selection from this chapter. Okay. It's loading. Whenever you feel like it. I'm getting to it. Yeah, whenever you're ready. I'm working on it. I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> 